Well, good morning and welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here today. If you're thankful to be able to worship today in freedom, say amen. amen. Let's stand together as we begin. Crown him with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns. The lamb upon his robe. Hark how the heavenly anthems drown. Crown him the Lord of love, behold his hands and side, rich wounds yet visible above, in beauty glorified, all hail Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Crown him the Lord of heaven, one with the Father known, one with the Spirit through him give from yonder glorious throne to thee be endless praise, for thou hast died for us. Be thou, O Lord, through endless days. Adored and magnified. That's a great start. Help us as we sing a new name written down in glory.
Good morning. Thanks the Lord for that. Our call to worship is in Psalm 18. And the Bible says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. David writes and sings a song to the Lord in Psalm 18, after delivering him from his enemies, and in particular Saul. But our call to worship is based on this particular designation that he gives towards the Lord. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. He is the strength of my salvation. The horn in the Bible depicts strength. He is the strength of our salvation. And so we worship Him. Because if you are truly saved, you are truly secure. It is not based on your strength to hold. It is based on His strength to hold. He will never leave you nor forsake. You are secure, eternally secure by His grace. And I give unto them, John 10 says... Eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father gave them, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Your security today is not based on your ability to confess sins, or your feelings, or your circumstances, or the abundance of your failings. To the true believer, worship Him, because your security is as sure as the immutable character of God revealed through the inerrant word of God. Since God nor his promises can ever change, neither can your standing before him. He's the horn of our salvation. He's the strength of our salvation. In Romans 8, the Holy Spirit tells us, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God cannot forsake you and will never forget you. How can he forget one who's engraven upon the palms of his hands? Christian, your sins are blotted out, but your name will never be. So worship him, the horn of our salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for saving grace and keeping grace. May you please be, continue to be glorified in our time here. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning, everyone. Linda Truitt has had the privilege of uh, being in ministry literally around the world for the last uh, 50 or so years almost. And she and her husband uh, were led to this church uh, just in the last five or six years. But uh, we're going to let her tell a little bit more about that today. And so, Linda, tell us your story for his glory. Okay, thank you. We have been missionaries with Baptist International Missionary Missions for um, about uh, 35 years and had the privilege to work with American military, starting churches around the world. But that's not where our story began. It began a long time ago. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home, but I had a very uh, nice neighbor who loved the Lord, and uh, she kept pestering my parents to let us go to Sunday school and ride the bus. At six years old, the teacher, the Sunday school teacher asked if anyone there loved Jesus and wanted to go to heaven. And guess what? Everybody in the class raised their hand and so did I. I wanted to go to heaven. And so from that time forward, I claimed that as my salvation experience. As a teenager, there was a church, a small Baptist church that opened up close that I could walk to, and I walked to church when it was convenient. I met Chuck there at, our, at that church. We were married, and we began our moving around with the Marine Corps. <laughs> Chuck had a, was a, in Texas for a very short school that he had to attend, and had a very serious motorcycle accident. He was in the hospital. I got there at midnight, and the doctor said to me, um, he was in a coma, he said, I don't know if he's going to live or die. If he does live, he could be a paraplegic or a vegetable, but he will never be normal. That's the only thing I'll promise you. This was at 24. At that time, I begged God for Chuck's life, and I promised him that if he would, say, if he would just let Chuck live, we would get back in church. And we did. We got back in church. I did all the things that you're supposed to do. I began, we got baptized. We were, I was a Sunday school teacher. Through different moves, I was um, not only a Sunday school teacher, but soul winning. I was a pastor's secretary, and yet I had never yet received Christ. It wasn't until we went to Bible college when I was 33 that the Lord, I was out soul winning one day, and I asked the lady at the door, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would have a home in heaven? And it was just like the Holy Spirit stood in front of me and said, do you? And you know, I couldn't say another word to that lady. The lady I was with, my partner, had to finish the conversation and for three days, I continued to wrestle with the Lord about this. And um, finally, I gave in to the Lord and asked Him to be my Savior. That was the beginning of my life as a Christian. And so, God gave us the privilege of being on the mission field for over 35 years. It's been a blessing. And uh, right now, we're sort of semi-retired. We continue um, as the Lord will open doors to go on and do relief work. We found this church six years ago when Chuck had to come home from Italy to be at Tampa Veterans Hospital. And um, 
we needed a church to go to. We were here for three months. We were staying at D&D Mission Homes and had been, visited two churches already and just did not feel at home. And uh, we called a pastor friend of ours in Fort Myers and asked him if he knew of a good church to go to and he recommended Community Bible Baptist. And we went there and we never left. We, when we re left the mission field a year later, this is why we moved to this area. We knew we wanted to be in Florida somewhere, but this church is why we're here. We love you, we love Pastor Stamson, we love the work here, so thank you. Amen. Well, I will forever bless the day that Chuck and Linda Truett became a part of our church family. They have been nothing but a blessing. And, uh, you know, sometimes young people look around, they see the gray hair, and they think, well, those are just old people. If you knew Chuck and Linda's story, they are amazing what the Lord has done. They have been in Okinawa. They have been in Germany. They have been in Italy. They have been all around the world serving the Lord. And uh, before that, they were down in South Florida diving. Sam, that's a guy you'd love. He's been underwater as much as you have, all right? But uh, just a great family and just such a blessing. They run our seniors, our widow and widower ministry now, and uh, do a great job when they're not on the road or traveling and they're preaching out. And so we praise the Lord for the Truett family. And I love that story because I'm afraid uh, when we get to heaven, Linda, there's going to be a lot of people that taught a lot of Sunday school and went to a lot of church and did a lot of things. And they said, here I am, Lord. And he says, well, depart from me. I never knew you. You knew him, but he never knew you because there never was that time and place that you confess Christ as your Savior. And we're born again, as the Bible teaches. So I'm glad at 30 some odd years at Tennessee Temple, you got that settled. Well, we're glad to see you this morning. What a great song by the choir. That was awesome, guys. Uh, he knows my name. Some days you need to be reminded of that, don't you? That he knows exactly where you are and what you're going through. And uh, he is not ever going to leave us nor forsake us. And so thank you, choir. It was a great job. And we're glad that each of you are here today. Uh, if you're a first-time guest or first time in a long, long time, thank you for coming. Our gentleman ushers here want to give you a thank you card. If you'll fill that out and uh, drop that in out at the Welcome Center or give it to one of them, uh, they'll give you a gift basket. If you'll just hold your hand up, keep it up. Uh, there's some folks on the back. That looks like the Courtright family and uh, Tyler and Julie. That's the first time in a long, long time. Of course, they were uh, many, many years on staff here before they moved to Georgia. So we're glad to see Tyler and Julie. And Aaron is here today. And Aaron, I'm not going to embarrass you, but your husband made you walk all the way down to the front already. So uh, this is my buddy Aaron. We're glad to have her today and her husband Mitchell and all you other guests and friends. We're thankful that you're here. Uh, update on Maya. Miss Valerie is here today. First time she's been in church in a while. But uh, the baby's in the hospital. Many of you know the story now. On Monday, uh, they called us in. And they said, uh, it's one of those big meetings, right? You, you, it feels like the principal calling you in the office. And so they called us in and said that the damage uh, over the last couple of years is too great. And uh, the heart is not going to repair itself. And so uh, they told us on Monday that we would have to go back on the transplant list. Uh, and so the baby is in the hospital and will stay in the hospital until a, a transplant becomes available. And uh, she will go through that again. And so it's been a rather difficult week. We've had to go back in for several more meetings. Valerie's had meetings all around the clock, uh, just answering questions and preparing. But Friday afternoon, officially, they came in and they said, you are now on the list after getting all the insurance and all that done. So we will be waiting. She's in great spirits. She's doing well. Uh, her daddy's not worth killing right now, but she's doing fine, all right? And uh, so you pray for the baby and pray for Valerie and myself and uh, for her doctors and her team. 
and that everything would go according to the Lord's perfect will, and we'll trust Him in all of that. We rejoice. Thank you so many of you have asked what you can do right now. Not a lot. Just pray with us, uh, but I will ask you for your help when it comes available when I need you, and uh, right now we're hanging in there. And then let me also mention, what's Jeff's last name, Brother Paul? I've forgotten. Brother Jeff in the hospital. Starts with an A, and I, it's a brother Jeff's one of our Filipino men, and I can't always pronounce his last name, but brother Jeff is uh, in the hospital, very serious bout of COVID, and uh, so let's pray for him. Many others in our church family as well recovering, uh, Bo Bedgood recovering, others as well. And then I've got six names. This this name, this list is just terribly uh, long and growing, but I've got six friends that have lost loved ones this week and either have had funerals or funerals for next week. And, of course, our own brother Chip Pardee, his mother passed away very unexpectedly. Let's pray for Chip and Pam. And then also the David McCoy family, Pastor McCoy, People's Baptist Church in McDonough, Georgia. They had his funeral on Friday. Pray for Trish and the girls and that church family. And then the Trahan Romero family, they're both out of our church in Texas. And we love Rodney and Helen, praying for that family. And then the Barker family out of our, our, my uncle's church there in the Atlanta area. And then just this weekend, uh, one of my childhood friends. Now, this is one of those terrible ones. Uh, you kind of put perspective in life. But a childhood friend that I grew up with, her 31-year-old son passed away. And leaves my wife and a little girl. So if you pray for the Braswell family. Uh, and I know that as I have those re requests, uh, we still are praying for Shelly and Collins family. And many, many of you uh, have an extended list like that as well. And so now is the time to learn to pray. If you don't know how to pray now, uh, learn to pray. And uh, if not, you're going to find that life is overwhelming at times. But when you can come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, you'll find that he gives you what you need. Uh, you say, preacher, God will never give me more than I can bear. That's a lie. That's a lie. God, God will give you much more than you can bear, but he'll never give you more than he can bear. Amen? And that's where prayer comes in. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to bless this service and all that's going on here. The Jabez Project coming along. How many of you know how many days are left besides Suzanne? How many days we got left? Anybody know? Seven. 80. Stop yourself, woman. 77 days. 70, 77 days and everything's moving well. If all goes well, they're going to throw the switch this week and charge the building. That's a huge step. And they get electricity in there and get air conditions going. Uh, they get the air conditions going. That allows the moisture to get out of the floor and everything else so it can go into flooring. And so those are big steps this week. If all goes well, they'll throw the big switch. And if you hear a giant boom, pray loud. Amen. But <laughs> Uh, everything should go well and uh, just uh, they, they got some painting done this week and roofing finishing up all kind of stuff and uh, just exciting days father this morning how can we not come to the throne of grace we look around our world and our country and even our own personal lives and we are overwhelmed by the storm Lord it, it seems like on every hand there is difficulty the only place that we can go, I've thought about this so much this week, where could we go? Peter said, where would we go, Lord? If we leave your side, we go back into the world. The world has no answers. The world has no hope. We cannot go anywhere but to the Lord and to you. And so this morning, I come on behalf of these families I've mentioned and everyone gathered here today who has trouble and trial and disappointment and heartache and or just brokenness, but even in our brokenness, even in our tribulation, we find that there is hope because with you there is always hope. Pray for 
the Braswells this morning, Lord Lynn and her precious family. My heart breaks. Some of the earliest childhood memories I have were the Braswells. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with her husband, her uh, daughter-in-law, and her granddaughter, and Lord, that family. Pray for uh, Trish and that family. Lord, pray for the Barkers and the Pardees. And Lord, the, the Trahans this morning. Lord, I pray for so, so many. God, I pray your grace would be enough. Pray for this hour as we open the word of God. If there's someone here this morning that's like Linda, maybe very busy in the work of God, maybe uh, outwardly demonstrates all the marks of Christianity, perhaps uh, looks like and talks like and acts like a believer, but in their heart of hearts, they do not know 100% for sure they'd go to heaven when they die. I pray even today would be the day that they would trust you as their personal Savior. Pray you bless now the music, the preaching, all that's said and done. Would you be pleased? We ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand with me again. And I was going to say Bob's going to play for us, but boy, that don't look like Bob this morning, does it? And we're glad Laura's here this morning. Everybody stand. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, lift your voice. Let's sing together.
Well, a couple of things this week to remind you of. First of all, uh, most importantly, I want to ask this question. Who pulls this suit off better, me or Nick? You know, some of y'all shop at big and tall stores. Nick and I shop at short and fat stores. They went good. They went. My wife said she, she was at the hospital last night and... Uh, y'all know that if I don't match, that's because I picked out my own outfit. And uh, so she called last night. She said, FaceTime me and go to your closet. And uh, so I'm FaceTiming. She's picking out. And she said, now wear this suit, but call Nick to make sure he doesn't wear his. How many of you men have ever called another man in your life to ask if they're wearing the same? Now, you women, if you women showed up and y'all had the same dress on, one of y'all would go home. Because God forbid you go to the same store. So men don't care, all right? In fact, we find that a great compliment. Oh, wow, look at him. We would make that like a big deal. Women would be, oh, we, they know I shopped at Dillard's or whatever. I don't know what that is. Uh, but uh, anyway, Nick, I pull it off better because I'm the pastor. Okay. Uh, also, also, you saw uh, Quinn and Annabelle up here. And I was thinking, now, this is the last Sunday that she will be Annabelle Avery. And uh, that he will be single. And uh, next week they get married. We're excited about that. And uh, yesterday apparently was National Daughter Day. And so, of course, I've got Madeline and Maya and then Sammy. And now we get to add Annabelle next week. So we're excited about that. So you pray for them. Every time I do a, a wedding, every time I do a funeral, no different. Every time I do a wedding, uh, I always think of the same verse. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, right? And uh, all the planning and all the activity. I'm always reminded, Valerie and I counseled a young lady years and years ago. And uh, she was a little older when she got married. And uh, uh, probably uh, late 20s, early 30s. And uh, uh, about two weeks, three weeks, four weeks into the, the wedding, the marriage, the, not, you know, the, the actual living together, she called Valley on the phone almost in desperation. She said, I had no idea it'd be like this. And uh, it was just interesting. Uh, you have the mindset of what you think it will be and then the reality of that. And all I know is I get another bedroom back after this and more kids leaving the house. And so very, very excited. Now, uh, John, the 15th chapter. And uh, it's interesting because we, we've been now studying for uh, just, uh, I guess, since, uh, well, I believe, October uh, of last year, as we've been looking at the calling, the training, the sending of the 12. And let me remind you again, uh, some of you are newer to the services, and so let me remind you, the Lord Jesus did not call his disciples, train them, and send them out. That's not how it happened. Now, I, I always thought that in my mind. The Lord called them, trained them, and sent them out. Uh, he did not do that. He called them. He trained them. He sent them out and brought them back, trained them some more, sent them back out, brought them back. It was an ongoing process, uh, sort of like on-the-job training. Uh, it is now we've come to the place where there will need, there'll, there'll be no more calling back because in just a few moments, Jesus will be going away. He knows the cross is just a few hours away. And so these are the last words, the final instructions. Three and a half years, he's been sending them out, bringing them back, correcting them, encouraging them, training them. But this is his final message, his final instruction. And uh, John is the only one of the four gospel writers that really goes into a lot of details in these last few hours. Now, if you read the New Testament, you'll find that a chapter or two could cover days, months, even years of time. Uh, just because uh, the gospel writers don't include everything. 
But in John 15, uh, John actually 14, 15, 16, uh, he spends all of this time in really just a few hours of time. He goes into great detail of the last words of Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, the last words of someone normally are very important words because they understand uh, this is my final thing and this is what I'll be remembered of. And so the Lord is spending a lot of time, and John records that, in giving these disciples final instructions because he knows that in just a few moments he'll be taken away and uh, the cross will be in his near future. And so he spends much time preparing them for the world to come. Now watch this and we'll get into our text. Not only is he preparing them, but he's preparing us as well. Uh, This is not written to us, but it is certainly written for us because he says, not only you disciples, but those that will follow after you. And that's you and I. So begin reading in verse number 18, John's gospel, the 15th chapter, verse number 18. If the world hates you, now we're picking up last week's message. We kind of dealt with the first few verses and we continue here. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had, done, uh, if I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I shall send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Verse, six, uh, verse 1 of chapter 16. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. I want to preach to you out of that little phrase in chapter 15. They hated me without cause. They hated me without cause. I think of the question asked by Jesus when they came to stone him and he said, for which of my Good works do you stone me for? What what, what good thing have I done that you're so angry at me? And many of us feel that way today. And and by the way, we will feel more of that as we continue farther from the cross and closer to the coming of the Lord. We will ask the question, why is the world so angry? Why do they uh, really, uh, why why do they really uh, hate the believer? And so this morning, just answering that question, why do they hate me without a cause? 
What have we done? Now, let me just caveat and say this. Sometimes we deserve what we get. Now, I'm not going to preach on this. This is more of a Sunday night thought. But sometimes Christians deserve what they get because they don't act very Christ-like. My friend Joe Arthur says this. They're going to attack you. Don't give them the club by your stupid actions. Sometimes Christians just don't act very Christ-like. And boy, how that's a lesson in in itself that we ought to be very careful that we uh, live in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because some of the worst things you could ever do is be a bad representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world actually have a cause. Well, you know, that person did this and that person did this and they claim to be a Christian. And again, we could preach on that uh, a whole sermon or maybe two. Uh, But this morning, let me just look at the scripture with you and, and show you. While there is why, why uh, there is such anger and hatred toward the word of God and toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, I want you to go back and look at verse number 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Number one, the hatred relationship, the hatred relationship. Here's a very simple answer to why the world hates the believer because the world hates the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, I don't believe that. Really, you you do not believe that there is a coordinated attack on the gospel, the word of God. The church of the living God. Worldwide, you say, preacher, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I do. The Bible tells me that the devil is the prince of the power of the air, uh, that he has principalities and powers and dominions and domains. And you say, preacher, this country and that country, behind the scene of all of that, there is an evil, uh, awful, uh, hate-filled individual that wants to destroy all that God loves. He's described as that lying, lying, seeking, looking, watching, attempting to find anybody that he can devour or destroy. Verse number 18, the Bible says, if the world hate you, you know it hated me. The world hates Christ. Now, let me just explain this. Some of you are thinking, well, the world doesn't hate religion. I didn't say the world hates religion. The world hates Christ. The world hates Christ. The world hates the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to explain why in just a moment. The world does not want you to tell them that they're wrong. Because the truth is, they don't do anything wrong according to them. They don't need a Savior according to them. Uh, They don't need a relationship with God. Uh, They're doing just fine. They have spirituality. They have religion. In fact, the world loves spirituality. The world loves anything counterfeit that looks like but is not the real thing. But when you start preaching the gospel, they can allow religion, they can allow spirituality. But the gospel, the gospel is separate from all other religions, all other spiritual truth. The gospel separates from everything else because the gospel says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. It's the door. It's singular. It's not one of many doors. The world does not mind you having a door. The world just can't stand the door. Now notice this. The world hates Christ, but it loves its own. 
The world loves to flaunt its own thought and its own spirituality. That's why, now listen, that's why the psychologist and the philosopher and the educator and the entertainer are so exalted. Look, they're preaching a message we like. Discover your own God. Discover your own way. Discover your own truth. Uh, identify your own direction. Do your own thing. Uh, you are the God that makes your decision. I've read a bunch this week and just reading uh, famous atheists and famous agnostics and those that have such a, a voice in our community. Uh, the message is very simple. Any way works as long as it's your way, not the Bible way. The world loves to promote itself. And by the way, the world loves to promote anyone that once claimed to believe the Bible way, but now believes a different way. Several years ago, uh, an evangelical pastor by the name of Rob Bell, some of you may have read his books or seen him, uh, he came out and said, man, all this that I believed all my life, all this I've taught all my life, I don't believe that any, anymore. I, I don't believe that God would send anybody to hell. I believe that there's universal salvation and, and everybody wins. In fact, he wrote a book called Love Wins. You know one of the first places that he was asked to come to? The Oprah Winfrey Show. And there's, there's the former evangelical pastor sitting next to the high priestess of spirituality in America. And she's discussing his groundbreaking new book and how he's discovered new truth. Dear friend, there's no new truth. It's all the devil's lie repackaged. And so the, the world celebrates anybody that says no to Christ and yes to self. So ask yourself the question. Now listen to me carefully. How are you received? Because if the world loves you and loves your message, then I want to ask you a question. What's your message? If you're not the one at work that makes everybody uncomfortable, I want to know what your message is. If you're not the one at work that everybody has to be like, hey, watch it. That's, that's them. My wife worked for several years for a major airline, Continental Airline. It doesn't exist anymore. It merged, became a part of United Airlines now. But for several years, my wife was the, uh, the uh, wife of the preacher. That's how she was known. The, that's that preacher. That's that church woman. That's that Baptist church woman specifically. And it was interesting. Several years she worked in Beaumont. Then she worked in Houston. And then she got transferred to Lake Charles, Louisiana. And I won't go into all the details there. But when she got to Lake Charles, there, there, was, a, like, there, there was a wall. It was just hard. She, she had always just been very, uh, she did a great job. She was always promoted, always well-received. But once she got to Lake Charles, and uh, there were some, some people, there was a certain lifestyle that was very prevalent there and certain so, so on things. And, uh, man, she just, she just didn't feel welcome. She found out later that word had gotten from Beaumont that the preacher's wife was coming to work at Lake Charles. It took her two years before they realized that, yes, she had a strong faith and yes, she had a strong belief system, but, but she was not this uh, angry, militant, psycho, crazy, fundamentalist type person. And, and she was actually able to bring some of those folks to church and wonderful stories came out of that. But the truth is this, uh, she made them uncomfortable because her faith was not a hidden faith, but was a visible faith. I'm going to tell you, if the world rejects you, it's because you've received Christ. If the world receives you, it means somewhere along the way you've rejected Christ. The world receives you. Somewhere along the way, you've changed the message. 
oh, everything's okay. No, it's not. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being, being arrogant. I'm not talking about being uh, a, 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 a person that, that doesn't, as much as in them is, try to live peaceably with all men. All of those principles are biblical principles. But when it comes down to it, your presence and your lifestyle and your words ought to be different. Why? Because the message of Christ separates. John MacArthur said a few weeks ago, I, I, wrote, I read an article. He said, uh, people are always talking about how they don't want to divide. They don't want to divide. They want everybody to come together. Unity, unity, unity. Uh, don't discuss doctrine. Doctrine divides. And John MacArthur said, absolutely doctrine divides. Doctrine divides truth from error. Not all roads lead to Rome. Not all roads lead to heaven. The hatred relationship. We as a church ought to be doing all we can to, to be uh, pleasant and, and, and to be uh, accommodating and acceptable in every area until it comes to the preaching of the cross. And what's happened is over the last 20 years, and I've pastored long enough to watch this, churches have become so engaged in making the lost comfortable that they've lost their message. And you have people like Alinda Truett that can sit in churches for years and decades even and believe that they're saved when they're lost because if we're not preaching the cross of Christ as the only hope of man, a born-again relationship with Christ as the only hope of salvation, then what we're preaching is accepted by the world and it's not right with Scripture. Now, the, the hatred relationship gives way to this thought. Number two, the hatred reason. Now, this, this will help you. Watch this. Look at verse 22. Jesus said, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. What did Christ do? Christ came to reveal their sin nature. The death of Christ is the divine necessity for the price of sin. And if there was no need for Christ to die on the cross, to be buried, to rise again, to bear in his body the sin of man, to be judged by God, to be punished by God, to be separated from God. If there was no need for Christ, then, then we could find our own self-righteousness. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were going about to establish their own self-righteousness. That's why when the Lord Jesus rebuked them, he said, Oh, outwardly, you men are white and sepulchers. You have a wonderful self-righteousness, but inwardly, you are full of dead men's bones. Jesus came to reveal it is not self-righteousness. It is imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness is where we sinners take the righteousness of Christ, the sinless one. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when people see Christ and they look at the bloody cross and they see his awful death and his burial and his resurrection, it causes them to ask the question, what is the payment of sin? Dear friend, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
Either Christ died to give us imputed righteousness or we must pay the price for our sin. And the world hates the thought of being accountable for their sin. They want a free pass. What I do is what I do and I get away with what I get away with. And the Bible says, oh, it is appointed that a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Man does not want to think about judgment. Man wants to think that he's going to get away with his words, his thoughts, his deeds, his actions. And there'll be no comeuppance for that. That's why the atheist has to come and say, there is no God. The agnostic has to come and say, I don't know if there's a God. The religionist has to come and say, I'll make my own God. Because the thought of account for sin terrifies the lost man. That's why deaths, this whole, this whole, I, I just mentioned six. And by the way, after I walked down, I got two texts. Brother Pardee's father also passed away this week. Thank God that every person I mentioned knew Jesus Christ as their Savior. And while the family mourns, we sorrow not as others have no hope. But we rejoice in the fact that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I'm going to tell you this. And, and, and you can mark this. And some of you are much older than me. But if you're 53 and below, you've never lived in a time when fear captured the heart of man like it has now. The fear of death has crippled the world. Australia is literally on fire right now. Canada is on fire right now. The world is on fire. Why? Because now men are facing the certainty of death that they've never thought of before. And they wonder what is beyond this mortal pale. What is beyond this veil that we see? What is next? I'll tell you what is next. To stand and give an account of yourself before a holy God. Christ reveals sin. Christ removes excuses. The ultimate sin is the sin of rejecting Christ. The writer states it was the decisive sin of rejection. The deliberate and fatal choice of darkness over light and death over life of which he spoke. He had done so many miracles and spoken innumerable words to prove he was Messiah and the Son of God. But they were belligerent in their love of sin and rejection of the Savior. Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says of how much sore punishment suppose ye. Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, who hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and had done despite under the Spirit of grace? For we know him that, saith, that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of a living God. Mark this down. There is no excuse when you have seen what Christ did, when you saw who Christ was, when you recognize that the greatest event in all of human history is his death, his burial and resurrection. You have no excuse of why you will not receive him other than you choose deliberately to reject him and choose religion or self or denial or whatever over the fact that Jesus Christ made a way for you to be saved. You will bring your offering as Cain did before God and you will say, here's my offering for sin and God will reject that and he will point to the door and he'll say, sin lieth at the door. You should receive Christ and you say no to Christ and whatever you say no to Christ for guarantees rejection by God. The 
sin relationship, the, sin, the hatred relationship, the hatred reason, the hatred response. What did Christ do? What did Christ do that he might show these people that he is the son of the living God? That he is the risen Savior? The Bible says in verse number 25, But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But, now watch this, but when the comforter. Now to us, the comforter is a joy. The comforter is a help. The comforter brings hope. The comforter brings peace. But when the comforter has come, whom I will send you of the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit of God moves upon the heart of man, drawing men to conviction. Now let me show you, I won't take time to develop this, but the Bible says that men know there's a God because of creation. The invisible things from Him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Watch this. So that they are without excuse. The Spirit of God says, look up! Do you see that sun? Somebody made that. Look around. Do you see this world? Somebody made that. Look at you. Do you see this incredible machine? Somebody made that. This week they, they came and we've had so many meetings. And I'm going to tell you that Valerie Stansel is the most unbelievable human that's ever walked this earth. She can handle this stuff so well. They, 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 the doctors don't even look at me anymore. I just sit over there and cry like a baby. It's pretty sad. But they'll start telling Valerie. And this week they started telling Valerie specifics of what this all entails. And it's pretty graphic. And, and uh, they... Barry said, y'all need to stop now because he's about to pass out. They're, they're going to they're gonna take something that's living, and within four hours it'll be put into something else that's living. You, you tell me that man could figure that out without the divine architect. The human body is unbelievable. Man can do a lot of things. I had the, I had the most gifted, most respected brain surgeon in all of Texas look at me in the eye and say, sir, one of my men had a massive stroke, Brother Bob Hinton, Brother Bob Hinton had a massive stroke, and the leading brain surgeon in all of Texas looked at me and said, sir, we know nothing of the human brain. We can do some things to relieve pressure, but we cannot fix any of this. We, we have no idea what's going to happen here. Creation. I don't believe there's a God. This is a box of metal. Plastic and metal. If I took this box of metal and just kind of shook it together and threw it up in the air, let it all land on the floor, do you think it would land in pieces and parts scattered? Or do you think it would land in a perfectly constructed something? Be a fool to think that pieces and parts thrown together with no designer, no creator, no architect could make something as perfect the human body, this world we live on, or the cosmos we cannot even begin to scratch the surface of. Boy, these scientists have gotten pretty cocky. 
we can create life. But God had enough. God shows up in their lab one day and says, you boys keep talking about you can create life. They said, yeah, we don't need you anymore, God. You can create life. Well, let's, let's have a contest. We'll do it like I did it the first time. They said, absolutely. Absolutely, we can do it just like you did it. He said, fine. They went outside and picked up some dirt and said, oh, no, 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 exactly like I did it the first time. Get your own dirt. Well, there, these, these, this, is, this is the absurdity of the atheistic, or, or atheistic argument. Dirt collided in the atmosphere. Where'd the atmosphere come from? Where'd the dirt come from? Who, who made the motion to bring the collision? There's always got to be a force that starts. And you say, preacher, what's that force? In the beginning, God created. You say, well, it takes faith to believe that. It takes less faith to believe in the beginning, God, than to believe that somewhere billions of years, somehow, somewhere, some dust bumped into each other, and here I come. <laughs> Number two, the conscience declares. Why do you lay in your bed at night? And ask, is there more to this? You say, how do you know that? Because every human does that. I'm not the only one that's laid there thinking, is this it? A few years of toil and trouble and then just poof. Every person that's ever breathed has asked that question. Is there more? And we fill it with sex and with drugs and alcohol and pleasure and life. And no matter how much we fill it with, we still are empty on the inside. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 2, our conscience bearing witness. Our conscience bearing witness and our thoughts. Man screams out, there's got to be more. And God says, oh yes, there's more. God has already demonstrated that there's more and more and more. And man keeps trying to find it and come up emptier and emptier and emptier. Not only does the creation declare it and the conscience declare it, but the Christian declares it. Acts chapter 5, the preaching of the word of God. The apostles filled with the Holy Spirit declaring the truth that Christ died for us, was buried for us, and rose again. And multiplied thousands received Christ. You say, what is the job of the believer to declare Christ to a lost and dying world through the power of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. Words and oratory and ability do not cut to the heart. The power of God through the spirit of God as the believer preaches the word of God. Somehow, someway, the spirit of God moves through creation and conscience into your heart and soul and says, he's right. As Linda herself preached her own salvation message, if you die today, do you know you go to heaven? And the Holy Spirit said, Linda, do you know if you die today, you go to heaven? She preached her own salvation message. And the word of God cut deep into her spirit. And the answer that she could come back with was, no, I don't. I have religion, but I'm lost before a holy God. And there'll be multiplied thousands upon thousands upon thousands that stand with religion who are lost before a holy God. The hatred revelation, I'll give you this, these three verses will be done. Why did God tell his disciples this? These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. The word offended means what? 
Have your feelings hurt? No. It means to cause to stumble. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall cause them to stumble. Jesus said, now, fellas, I'm going to go. In chapter 16, he, he goes into greater detail of the comforter coming, the paraclete, the one that will walk beside, that will indwell with them. And he says, I'm giving you this up front. I'm not hiding it from you. I'm not going to surprise you with this. I'm letting you know uh, that you are going to be hated for my sake. Don't be offended at this. Don't stumble at this. No preacher has ever drawn breath that didn't stumble along the way at the rejection of the gospel. No Christian has ever breathed there that hasn't stumbled along the way when they feel the outcast ostracized by family and friends. We had a lady here Wednesday night and gave testimony, asked prayer requests. She said, my own family has turned their back to some degree on my faith in Christ. That you not be offended. Boy, I've dwelt on this thought this week. Good God in heaven. Peter, will you also go away? To whom should we go, Lord? If you quit, where are you going to go? If you turn your back, where are you going to run to? Oh, as Spurgeon said, I've learned to kiss the wave that crashes me into the rock of ages. Don't be offended. Don't be stumbling. The message of the cross, the message of the church, the message of righteousness, the message of holiness is not a message that is or ever will be or ever has been accepted by the masses. Don't be offended. Number two, don't be surprised. You ever made this statement? Hmm, I didn't see that coming. That shocked me. Let me give you a quote that will help you. Never underestimate the depravity of the human nature. Never underestimate the depravity of the human nature. It should not be any surprise. There should be no shock that the world hates God. That the world hates his world word. This week, an interesting thing happened. I, our kids don't understand. You know, as I get older, I realize what I was in high school and in junior high. I went to the Christian school and <clears throat> this week we had Brother Joe Morton, we, we, uh, Nick and Joe, uh, had Nick order it and Joe put it up. We put a flagpole up out here. I've been wanting one for several years and we finally got one put up. And I asked Clint if he would bring all the kids out and just have prayer around the pole this week. And I think we missed the actual National Day of Prayer, but we had, had prayer. And, and I took some pictures the other day, or they took some pictures and they posted online. I just thrilled my soul to see our kids praying and, and uh, America and God and all those good things, right? remember a quote years ago, and it just struck me as I was looking at those kids, and uh, I think Shalita had commented on there and some others had commented on that post about how, how good it is to see our kids uh, being taught respect for our country and, and prayer and all those things. And I remember a quote from, I think Brother Hiles may have said, I don't know who said it, but he said, they love our product. They just hate our recipe. We preach righteousness and holiness and separation. And the world looks at our kids. You ever been to Chick-fil-A? If you haven't, you're lying. Chick-fil-A is so good at customer service, even when they get their order wrong, I think it's probably best for me. 
no secret that Chick-fil-A has Christian principles at its founder. The, the father certainly was an example of Christ. And uh, you, you look at a lot of the kids that were there. Not all. There's some tremendous heathens there. Hey, hello, Quinn. But uh, <laughs> a lot of Christian kids work there, you know. And, uh, please and thank you and my pleasure and all those things. And you look at those kids, and, and, and I, I pick on them, and, and we all pick on them. We, we saw all those homeschool kids, you know. The family of six girls, and there's patience and joy and hope, and, you know, Zebediah and Zedekiah. And, <laughs> and yet, the world looks at the homeschool kids, the Christian school kids, the church kids, the, I mean, the, separati the separatist kids. Let's just be honest. They're different. Go to Taco Bell and then look at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> And they say, oh, they're so respectful. They look nice. They act nice. They, they say, yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And Man, those are good kids. And, and boy, I wish my kids were turning like that. We'll bring them to church. I ain't going to do that. You're going to force religion down their throat. We'll discipline them when they get out of mouth. I'm not going to do that. They want our results. They just don't want the recipe. They want our kids with their recipe. If you use their recipe, you get their kids. I'm not saying our, kid, our kids have to make a choice, and that's a whole other sermon. But don't, don't be surprised when they mock us for making our kids go out to the flagpole. Don't be surprised when they mock us for saying, hey, girls, try, try your best to, to, to stay pure. Huh. What, what kind of foolish in this day and age? Hey, boys, don't act like whores. Oh, you can't preach like that in this day and age. Kids aren't like that anymore. Kids have always been a mess because they've always been sinners. Always been righteousness, holiness. Don't be surprised when they hate what you try to do as a family. Hey, listen, I know, it, I know the family's getting together tonight, but we go to church on Sunday night. We've had this thing planned for, for two years. Well, church's been planned for 2,000 years. We win. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As a matter of something, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Always surprised. And then he says this. He says in verse number, They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever think, uh, killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. He said, look, don't forget this is all about God. This ain't about you. This is about God. About Jesus. Don't forget that. They're going, to think, they're going to think they're doing God a service by shutting down the person who preaches the Bible. Shutting down the Christian that lives the word of God. And they're going to be serving God by destroying Christ. That's not true, but don't forget, this ain't about you. This ain't about me. It's about him. I'm created for his glory. I'm created for the purpose he's called me to. My purpose individually is to be a husband, a father, and to preach the gospel. Your purpose is to be a wife or a mother, to be a husband or a father, to be a single person. Whatever your purpose is, is to glorify God in whatever way God specifically calls you to do that. They don't like me. Eh. They don't like whose you are more than who you are. They don't like whose you are more than who. Because... Why are you mad at me? You know, let's, let's take Grace and Clint. Let's just pick on them for a minute. Let's see, what, what's wrong with them? Who have they 
who have they hurt? Who have they, what, two good boys, they carry themselves well. Oh, I don't, don't ah, ha. What, what exactly are you mad about? Husband and wife love each other. Go to work, go to school, work out, raise their kids, don't create any trouble. Quietest house in the cul-de-sac. No crazy stuff going on, no cops showing up. And I hate them. He's not cheating on her. He's not out drinking, running around. She's not messing around. Oh, I just hate those people. Not that you hate what they're doing. It's hate the, you hate the fact that when you look at them, you see they have someone in their life you don't. There's something different there. They were faith. And that's what causes people. Not that they're doing bad. It's just that something's different. There's a joy. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm done. You get up on that fifth floor. You start figuring out if your faith is real or not. You start realizing in that emergency room. You start realizing whether this is all fantasy and make-believe and just something to have on Sunday or if it's something you need every second of your life if you need to walk with him and be with him and be filled by him and be used by him. All of a sudden, things become crystal clear. Well, I, I don't, at church over there, which of these good works are you stoning us? Oh, that's right. It's not who we are as much as whose we are. Because if we're, if what we believe the Bible says is true, that means it's not on me. It's on you. If what, if what I preach, that you cannot go to heaven without a personal relationship with Christ, if what I preach is true, it's not on me because I have a personal relationship with Christ. You say, well, I don't believe it. If, if you're right and I'm wrong, I've just lived a good life. You ever think about that? We're done. Daryl, get ready. Or Clint, whoever, Nick, whoever. You ever think about this? If, if it's all a fantasy, if it's all a fable, if it's all just make-believe, Jim, I've been married to the same woman 28 years. I've got six absolutely wonderful kids. I've got a boatload of friends. I've enjoyed every second of my walk with Christ. If it's not true, I've lived the life you want to live. Wife that kind of likes me. Kids that haven't left me yet, right? I mean, I've lived. Do you know that since I've gotten right with God, I've been around the world? I've seen things I never thought I'd see. I mean, Chuck, Linda, when you got right with God, God opened doors that you could never open for yourself. So if it's, if it's, if it's not true, it, just, just being with the same woman 28 years and having kids and life and, and enjoying ourselves and, and having a peace that, that has gotten through all this stuff. And if it's not right, well, I still win. But, and it is, the word of God. Not only do I win, but I win for eternity. And not only are you miserable now, but you'll suffer rejection of Christ. Because if you reject him today, he'll reject you forever. I'm a winner either way.
Brother Micah said, I'm a winner either way. Father, this morning I pray. Oh, if there's one precious person here that's like Linda who has religion but no relationship. Oh, dear Jesus, would you help us? Help us to come this morning and by faith believe you and receive you as our Savior. And then for many of us this morning that, that, that believe we've trusted you, but Lord, the troubles and the trials and these, these attacks that in many of our minds we never really thought America and the world would experience, Lord, they've been real all along. We've just been a little sheltered. And now as we come to realize there is full force rejection of God, His Word, His church, and Christ. May we not be offended. May we not be surprised. May we lean wholly and completely on the Spirit of God. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain this mercy and find this grace to help in these difficult days. And now more than ever, instead of backing up or shutting up or quitting, may we stand for truth. Oh, tonight as we look at Jude, earnestly contend for the faith. Heads are by eyes are closed. Nobody's moving around. Nobody's looking around. Appreciate your attention this morning. If you're here and you don't know Christ, maybe you've never heard the gospel before. You've never put your faith, you've never put your trust in Lord Jesus Christ. Just a moment, I'm going to have everybody stand and pray. And if you want to meet me down front, I'll come down and meet you. Our, our teams will be available. We'll show you from the Bible what it means to trust Christ as your Savior. We'll show you from the Bible what it means to put your faith and trust the Bible describes it from being passed from death unto life, to be born again. If you've never trusted Christ this morning, meet me at the front. Let us take a Bible. A lady will sit with a lady. A man will sit with a man. We'll show you from the Bible what it means to put your faith and trust in a relationship with Christ, not just religion. You're here this morning, Christian, wearied in well-doing. Faint maybe, yet pursuing, struggling along, along, along the way. Trials and troubles, difficulties, disappointments. May I encourage you this morning, the Spirit of God indwells you as a believer. The Word of God empowers you and equips you. Don't stumble, don't fall, don't quit, don't falter. Stand in the evil day, the Bible says. Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Standing all over the building. Father, this morning, save the lost. Encourage the saved. Encourage our own family. Encourage our church. The Pardee family. Help them. So many, many others. May we find grace this morning. May we find grace to help in great times of need. We ask, believing you'll do this. And even so, so much the more. So much the more. Pray it now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet now. You step out of your place. You come. I'm going to ask Nick to sing. You step out. You come. I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long. me
Sometimes uh, maybe you pass this one out or the other one out, but uh, you go to a restaurant and uh, they have good service and uh, you tip a nice tip. Uh, you can leave a thank you track. Thank you for your service. These are really well done. Uh, Brandon got these done for us, but uh, new tracks. We've got some new, new tracks coming this week or next. So we're trying to constantly keep good material in your hand uh, to invite people to the Lord first and foremost, but then also church. Now listen, if you do not leave a good tip, don't leave this track, okay? <laughs> I don't want them to call me on the phone and say, Brother Brent, your church is stingy. If you're going to do that, go down the road and get one of them bad churches tracks, okay? And uh, just, 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 but, but, but leave a good tip and uh, be a blessing. Right now, servers are in high demand. Servers, if you got a good server, thank God for that. But, but let's give them a good tip and let's leave a track with them and invite them. Uh, so many people will come to our church or come to faith in Christ. They get something in their hand. And all of a sudden they read that, admit you have sinned, I'm a sinner, and I go through the gospel. So uh, let's, let's see Brother Mike about that. We had a good reach one. Praise the Lord for that. Choir. I'm so proud of the choir. Had a great turnout yesterday, uh, getting ready for Christmas and looking forward to that. Going to have the best. I'm more excited about this Christmas program than maybe anyone we've done in a long time. Uh, we're going to have the cutest little Christmas program. Have you ever seen a Charlie Brown's Christmas? You're saying Charlie? Then you're going to want to come, and that's December the... 19th, 19th, you're going to come that Sunday night, December 19th, and you'll see Charlie Brown over there, and they're looking forward to that. All right, you be, be seated. Brother Mills, you come.
Even the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to young Timothy to advise the church not to be stingy, uh, using the pastor's phraseology there. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. The Apostle Paul is simply saying everything that we have in this life, all the things that we enjoy, comes from the very hand of God, all things. By his very nature, God is a giving God. He gives to us the free gift of eternal life and all things that follow. In, it is his intention to provide for us everything that we have need of. And we acknowledge his goodness, all of his goodness toward us by the way we give. That's how we say, thank you, Lord. So as the men come and we give of our tithes and our offerings, we say, thank you, God, for taking such good care of us. Our Father, as we pray, as we commit to you our tithes and our offerings, we want to simply say, thank you. Thank you for all that is ours through Christ, Thank you for all that is prepared for us in this life and in the life to come. In Jesus' name, we ask your blessing. Amen. Interesting uh, tidbit this morning about the Truett family. Uh, probably three decades or so ago, they were ministering in Okinawa, Japan. They gave the gospel to a Marine Corps drill instructor that was uh, based there in Okinawa. And uh, that man was married, didn't have kids at the time. Eventually, they would come back stateside and get into a good church. And uh, they ended up, their daughter has married my brother. And so uh, I don't even know if I've ever told them that. But I never met them till I, till I moved down here. But that's an interesting tidbit about them. Uh, my brother married a person that was saved in their church over in, in Okinawa. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, couple of announcements. There's no choir practice tonight. That's because we came yesterday and stayed extra long, and uh, we don't have to get together tonight. So just the uh, regularly scheduled, scheduled announcements for this week. We've got our evening service at 6. Uh, we've got our midweek prayer and Bible study, Master Club, and Bus Stop, all of those things going on on Wednesday night starting at 7 p.m. Make sure you keep all of them and all of those ministry ministries in prayer and then coming up in October October 8th and 9th we've got our ladies fall frenzy and that's up in uh, on Palm, Har Palm Harbor at Bible Baptist Church and uh, there's a waiting list for that and so uh, they don't have a, a, a lot of tickets that they sell and then if you didn't get those already you get put on a waiting list but let me encourage you to actually get on the waiting list because some people have canceled and some people have already come and told me that they've been pulled in off the waiting list so uh, if you would like to go to that, we'd encourage you to do so, but you got to get on the waiting list. You can register online on their website. Uh, and then a couple of, a, of school announcements. This We are heading into the last week of our fundraiser. Uh, we've got just this week, and um, 
to finish that all up. So if you haven't gotten some delicious um, world's finest chocolate bars, you've got to get those. You've got you to gotta get those caramels before they run out if you haven't experienced those. So see one of the, one of the uh, school kids and make sure you purchase some chocolate for them. Or if you don't like chocolate, give a donation to the school and uh, we'll make sure that sees its way over to the building. Um, and then we were actually gonna be out of school. This is October 8th and 11th. This is, this is unplanned, uh, but this is due to one of the projects that they're working on with the building over here. So that's a Friday and a Monday. That's October 8th and 11th. And uh, what's gonna be happening that Friday through Monday is they're gonna be tearing apart the whole parking lot uh, tearing that all up and resurfacing that. So that's gonna ruin any sort of traffic circle or anything that we do pick up and drop off. So we, we've canceled school October 8th and 11th. That was unplanned, but so far we haven't had to use any of our hurricane days. And so hopefully we don't have to, and that'll just balance out because we plan a couple of days for that anyway. So keep that in prayer. And then uh, trunk or treat is coming up. That's the end of October. That's gonna be a Saturday afternoon. That's actually the day before, that's October 30th. Uh, from 4 to 4 to 6, 4.30 to 6.30 uh, in the afternoon. But what we need you to do is participate and help us with that. We need some of you to go out and sign up, or all of you, to go out and sign up at the, uh, at the Welcome Center. We've got the sign-up sheets out there. And how this works is you bring a car, you decorate it up with a theme, whatever theme you would like, you put it on the sign-up sheet. And uh, we invite everybody from the neighborhood. We go out the, the, the week before and we hand out flyers. So we put it on the website and invite everybody. This is an opportunity for us to reach out to our friends and our neighbors and people here. We get their names and we get their numbers. We get their addresses. We get them to put their name in a drawing. And then we use that as an opportunity to go knock on the door, give them the gospel, uh, present them with the church and a track and uh, the school and all of that. This is a, a, a tremendous opportunity for us to have an outreach and impact in our community. So help us out with that. Sign up for Trunk or Treat. The sign-up sheets are out there in the, off, uh, in the Welcome Center. All right. Let me follow up just real quick. On the 10th, then, uh, we will have church, obviously, but there will be some parking lot issues. And so I want to say thank you so much. Today we initiated our brand-new parking lot team, and uh, it went so well. That will help us as we move into the new building, but also on the 10th because the parking lot they're going to come in over the weekend, and they'll get it prepared, get it all milled up, and then on Monday they'll come in and finish it up. So there's a lot going on uh, as we get ready. This will give us a brand new parking lot and get rid of all of this standing water that we deal with and all that, get all the drainage right. So a lot of us put a, put a lot of stuff there. Now, Val and I have asked, uh, she just asked to remind, uh, we're just not going to shake anybody's hand or hug, so don't do the whole thing. We love you, but right now we just got to be as careful as we can going back and forth to the hospital, and so we appreciate no touch, no hug all just like like your dad used to say lori hall uh, i'm a museum look don't touch okay and uh, then also uh chip so not only did his dad pass away thursday but chip himself is very sick with covid obviously picked it up from his father uh when he went up for the mother's funeral so let's just pray for for the party family their home and uh brother paul and uh josh we're going to get on that see if we can be meals anything at all to help them be a blessing and then also dale uh getting ready for surgery as well as george uh, I mean, George and Dale, pray for them, and then also pray for Glenn and Martha uh, getting ready for surgery. Bo Bedgood fell and fractured his arm, so a lot to pray about. Hope your list is long, uh, but we know our God is able. If you're a guest, stop by the Welcome Center, uh, meet them out there, get a gift bag from us. Thank you for being here. Be back tonight, 6 o'clock, and you say, Preacher, what can I do for trunk or treat? Uh, bring your car, bring your truck, bring your boat, bring your camper, bring whatever you want to bring. Let's have a great trunk or treat. Let's all stand together, shake hands, fellowship, fist bump. God bless you. I love you. See you tonight, 6 o'clock.